Would you stand with me uh, for reading of God's Word and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter number 5. 2 Kings chapter number 5. And I want to I read verse number 9 through verse number uh, 14. Uh, notice the scripture here and welcome to week number uh, 2 of this series we're calling Double. And I'm believing that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to touch your life. How many of you, to be honest, you say, if I could double my income this week, I'd want my income to be doubled this week right now. Yeah, yeah, everybody's raising your hand, yes, everybody's nodding, everybody's smiling, all of a sudden like, yeah, that makes me feel better just thinking about it. Uh, how many, if you could double your knowledge, your capacity to remember stuff and raise your, come on, raise your hand, yeah, yeah. How many, if you, if you could double your talent, your talent, you say, yes, I'd like to double, somebody came up to me last week and said, Pastor, I have no talent, you can't double zero, okay. I'm like, oh, you got something, you just got to maybe look a little harder, but it's there, God's given you something. Now, how many of you, if you'd say, God, I'd like to have a double portion of your spirit and your anointing on my life, just sign me up. Raise your hand. Come on. I, I, any follower of Jesus would want that. That's what you want in your life. Uh, we're reading the story of a man who had that double portion, a man named Elisha, who got it from Elijah. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. Notice this. I thought he would certainly come out and meet me. He's offended, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and Farpar better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So, you should certainly obey him when he simply says, go and wash and be cured. So, Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times. Look at the person next to you and say, seven times. As the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Father, thank you for the power of your word. And God, I just pray that this day, this moment, there are individuals in this room that experience a double portion of your anointing, your spirit, your power, so that, God, the miracle that they need, because we need a miracle-making mindset in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So let me establish first what a miracle is. So today I'm going to talk about a miracle-making mindset. And a miracle is this. This is my definition that I've just kind of uh, conjured up over the last many years. It's, it's something you cannot provide for yourself and something no one else can give to you. It's something that must come from the hand of God. Now that can be in a lot of things in life. It's something you cannot provide for yourself. No one else can give to you. It's something that must come from the hand of God. And stop there and just think about that in your life. What is it? What is it? that you would say then is a miracle. It kind of really opens up and realizes that I can't provide it, no one else can give it to me. 
It must come from the hand of God. There may be even someone here right now that's struggling with joy. Man, your, your joy portion is down and you struggle with just depression and struggle with not being happy. And, and you know what? You can't get that from someone else. You can't get that from other people. You can only get that from God. And maybe you need a miracle of joy in your life. And I'm going to talk about a miracle-making mindset. And there are a few groups of people that I want to just bring to, to light here in regards to this story. First off is Naaman. Now, let me explain who Naaman is. Naaman is the commander, the chief, the general for the Syrian army. He is traveling from Damascus. If you know anything about the news, you kind of understand exactly what I'm talking about. He's traveling from Damascus and comes to Samaria over to where Elisha is. Okay, and he is a man of influence. He is a man of power. He is probably a wealthy man. He has all of that going for him. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he had won great victories at the hand of the Lord. The Lord had provided that for him. But there was one major glaring problem in Naaman's life. He had leprosy. If you don't know what leprosy is, leprosy is, is a disease that eats at the body. It literally eats away the nerves. and eats away the bone. It eats away the skin. I've been to leper colonies along the Amazon basin around Manaus in Brazil. I've been in there and to see people who have been eaten up and to feel the sm smell the smells and, and to kind of see the stuff that's going on, it's just really eye-opening. And here is this man who has it all going for him in life. He's powerful, he's rich, he's famous, he's won victories, but yet he is struggling, which brings to light this important fact. No matter who you are and what you have, you cannot escape the problems of life. All of your money, all of your fame, all of your stuff cannot buy you more life here on this earth. It cannot protect you from problems, pain, and struggle. It's a part of life. The second group is, you notice there it said the officers. Now as he stormed out in rage and is ready to go back to Damascus, the officers that are unnamed say, hey, Stop and think about this for a second. Let's reason about this because all you have to do is go dip seven times. And who knows what happened? You may have a miracle. And the second person that I want to mention here is not just the officers, but a slave girl, a little slave girl. Now, it's not mentioned in the text that I read, but if you go back to verse number two, it'll talk about a little slave girl. This girl was taken captive from Israel, hauled off to Samaria, to Damascus, and here she is a servant to Naaman's wife. And she's just taking care of the household duties. She is a slave. And yet she sees that her master is in need. And she brings to light that there is a man in Samaria who is a prophet of God. And he can heal her master. Now stop and think that for just a moment. Because here's what this speaks to me. They're nameless people. Officers and this little girl. But they were mightily used to bring about the miracle of God in this man's life. They held the seed that would bring about the miracle, which speaks to me hope in this. I might not be the most famous. I might not be the richest. I might even be poor in life. I may be struggling in life. I might be the lowest person on the totem pole, but God has not forgotten about me, and God has not forgotten about you, and God can use you to bring about miracles in people's lives. That's good to know. And then the third one is Elisha. Elisha was the man of God who had followed Elijah. Elijah was his mentor, his predecessor. 
And then at the end of Elijah's life, he stops, and Elijah asks Elisha, what is it you want from me? And Elisha asks for a double portion of the Spirit of God. What is it that you're asking for? Are you asking for more stuff or more of the Spirit of God? Do you want more fame, fortune, things? and just Because he could have said, hey, I, I want your clothes. I want your chariot. I want your people. I want, I want all this stuff. No, no, no. He was more focused on what was the most important thing, which was the spirit and the presence of an almighty living God. And if you're going to have a miracle-making mindset, it starts with you just simply saying, God, I need you more than anything else. But I'm going to give you a few other things that I really feel like is important for you to get out of this text today. Number one is this, is that you need a clear perspective. If you're going to have a miracle-making mindset, you've got to have a clear perspective. Did you notice that Elisha, in this text... Notices that Naaman says this. Naaman says, I thought you were going to come out and meet me. Matter of fact, he's offended that he didn't come meet him. He said, why didn't you come out and greet me? I'm a man of power and rich and famous, and I have all these gifts I could have brought you I and mean, given you because he brought all these gifts to give to the man of God. And yet you didn't even show up. You didn't even come outside. He thought. And the second thing he said, I expected. Do you notice that in the text? I expected him to come out and just wave his hand and just everything be gone. He had a certain mindset, a perspective on how things were going to transpire and the way things were going to happen. Do you realize the way we think about things can stop the flow of God's miracle working power in our life? That we can keep something from happening? And whatever that, maybe it's a healing of your marriage. Maybe it's your, your reconciliation of your kids. Maybe it's you personally getting free from certain addictive and struggles in your life. Wh whatever it may be is our mindset. Our mindset is key. The, the scripture says this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In the New Testament, it says these words. It says that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Why? Because the mindset is absolutely essential when it comes to sports. We understand you can go into a game, and you go into that game, and you are saying, we got this, no big deal. We're going to win this. And we come in, and we're going to win this game, and we get overconfident. And we think, we got this. Not that we've seen any evidence of that lately, but yet sometimes that happens. I'm just preaching here. And then sometimes we can come in with, oh, man, we're going to lose. And that's underconfident. And neither one of those are right. Neither one of, it's a mindset that's going to keep you from getting what you need to get. Do you realize that the enemy will use your past failures and he will use your present struggles to cloud your perspective? That's what he does. I've, I've got a friend that I, I met with this week. I was up in Branson for a ministerial deal and, and I, I hadn't seen him in several years. He is a brilliant brilliant man. His name's Richard Hammer, and he's a lawyer. He's the most probably sought-after, recognized, most famous uh, lawyer in the church world, period. Protestant or Catholic, it really doesn't matter. Everybody looks to him. He's written over 100 books on law. He is absolutely brilliant, but I was reminded this week of his story. His story was when he was in high school, he struggled with remedial classes, struggled just to get by. He really, really, and he had a teacher in high school that told him this. He said, you're stupid, Richard. You must go home every night and practice being stupid because that was just plumb stupid. 
that impacted him in a negative way greatly. Not being even raised in church and then hearing negative about him, he ended up being a proclaimed atheist. He goes into college barely qualifying for a small public school in his area. He gets into college. He struggles in college. He gets into a fraternity, becomes more driven, like there's no God. I'm an atheist. And some cute little girl walks up to him on campus one day and invites him to church. It's amazing what God will use to get people in church. <laughs> he goes to church thinking this cute little girl only asked him because she was interested in him. He gets to church and there's like several other guys and other girls that she had invited to church. So he was personally, he didn't like the experience. He just kind of there. He just kind of went through the motions because this girl had asked him. But there was something that the pastor said from the book of James chapter 1 and verse number 5. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and God will give to them. And he said, okay, God, if there's a God, I'll apply that and start asking. I ask for wisdom. He said almost immediately there was a marked change in his academics. His studies began to go up. He began to retain knowledge. Things began to happen. In fact, his fraternity brothers began to say, what is up with you, Hammer? Man, you're popping these tests out, and the teachers begin to acknowledge. He ends up turning his schoolwork around and becomes one of the top academic students at that school. At the end of his, before he graduated, he took the LSAT. He, blew, he just knocked the score out of the park. He applied for Harvard Law School, got accepted in a Harvard Law School. I already told you that he has now written over 100 books. He's the most sought-after speaker when it comes to church law in America. And that same school of 2,500 students where the teacher said he was stupid, you know what happened recently? He was invited back. And every decade they honor one of the top alumni for that high school. And they brought him back and had a huge banquet in his name with hundreds of people there. And guess who was even out in the audience? That teacher that said he was stupid. And then they put a plaque on the school honoring that alumni with his name, Richard Hammer, on the wall. I'm telling you, it's about perspective. His life changed and the miracle began to came. His life was headed the wrong direction when he held on to a certain perspective. But it all changed when he reversed that perspective and gave his heart to completely to Jesus Christ. And he began to look at things differently. He wasn't caught up in his past problems and what people said about him. Now he was focused on this is what God says and I believe it and anything is possible with God. Do you realize that impossible is absolutely nothing to God? God says, I can do it. Trust me and believe me. Sometimes the problem is, though, what God says doesn't look like what we're seeing. And we see a certain thing. And you can begin to believe that or you can choose to believe what God says. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you've got to lay hold of what God says, not what you see in life. Number two is this. The second thing from this text that I want you to get is that if you're going to have a miracle-making mindset, you need to kill the pride in your life. You need to kill the pride in your life. Do you realize that pride is often very hard to identify in ourselves? It's easy to identify it in your spouse. It's easy to identify it in your kids. It's easy to identify it in your parents. It's easy to identify it in your coworkers and the students you go to school with. It's easy to identify it in somebody else. But it is often very difficult to identify pride in your own life. The spirit of I know what's best and the spirit of I know I want it my way 
will kill the miracle that God is wanting to do in your life. You see, leprosy was eating up Naaman's outside, but pride was eating up his inside. And it's one thing to be dealing with life and having issues and struggles on the outside, but what's going on in the inside? Because the inside is the most important thing. And you got to guard your inside. you got to guard your heart. Don't let pride sneak in. Don't let stuff get in that's going to keep you from what God really has for you. I, I know for me, one of the things that I had to do some years back that I had to swallow my pride was I had to go to counseling. I personally needed counseling. Now, compared to somebody else, well, maybe not as bad, maybe, but I said, you know what, I'm going to get help with this. And I went to help, get help. Some of it was paid counseling, and some of it was just simply I need help and begin to admit to somebody else and begin to walk me through some decisions I need to make and direction in my life. But you know what? I found out when I began to turn to someone else and begin to ask for help, it began to break the pride of my life. And as it broke the pride in my life, it began to open the doors for God to do what He wants to do in my life. Because there's a part of us that says, I can handle this, I don't need this, and I'm not going to bring anybody in this. But it's totally against what God says, because God said this. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. Matter of fact, we need each other, because you don't have all the answers. And if you had all the answers, you'd be God, and you don't need God. But you don't have all the answers, and you need somebody else to come alongside you to help you in life. And with that, you've got to break your pride. You've got to break it in your life. And that's not always easy, is it? <laughs> I, I, Sometimes to experience the victorious in your life, you got to attempt the ridiculous. That means you got to step out of your comfort zone and go to somebody else and even get some help. I have found that God allows struggle in our lives to remind us that we're not God. And that we need His help. And that we need the help of other people. It amazes me each week I preach messages and I know that people need to respond to the message and come up for prayer. And we got a prayer team at the end of the experience that's going to lay hands on you and agree with you and pray with you. But why is it that you don't walk up and receive prayer? Why? Because of pride. Why is it that Scripture says that if you will confess your sins one to another, that our God will heal you, heal you, but yet we don't admit our sins one to another? Why? Because of Pride. Why is it that we don't want to reveal our marital situations and struggles? So we, and I'm not talking about, you know, getting a plane and just having it spelled out for the whole world. I'm not talking about announcing it to everybody. But all of us need a handful or a few people that we can come alongside with us. Why don't we come with our help for our marriage? Why? Because of? Why don't we go get help with our kids and just say, I need help with my children. I need some counsel. Could you pray with me? Could you agree with me? Those people might not give you anything that you don't already know. But there's something about it. When you admit that you need help, it breaks pride in your life and opens you for the miracle that God wants for your life. Break that pride. Break that stronghold. And let God do what he wants to do. See, for Naaman, he had a lot of pride. He said, no, I want it my way. No, 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 no. The rivers of Damascus, of Syria, Abner and Farpar are much better than the river of Jordan. Because the river of Jordan, everybody knows, is a dirty, nasty river. It was pride he was dealing with. He was hurt because the man didn't come out to say hi to him. Because the man didn't honor him. The man didn't pay due respect for him and didn't do it his way. So therefore, pride was keeping him from the miracle. His real issue was not leprosy. His real issue was pride. And your real issue is not your circumstances around you. Your real issue is pride. If you can kill the pride in your life, then God can do what he wants to do. Because the scripture says this. It says that 
God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's the humble that God is looking for. Number three is this. The last thing I want you to write down is that if you're going to have a miracle-making mindset, and if you are going to really see that double portion in your life that breaks strongholds, that sets you free, that heals, that brings miracles, you need to stay persistent. You need to stay persistent. Stay persistent. Naaman had traveled 150 miles. Did you get this? From Damascus to Samaria to where Elisha was. He probably traveled a minimum of two full days, probably three, maybe even four days. He gets to where the man of God is. He shows persistence. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get my miracle. I'm going to believe. I'm going to get He's going through this process, and he gets to the man of God. And when the man of God doesn't do it the way he wants it to be done, he stalks out mad, angry, and a rage. And he says, it's my way or the highway. So it's not my way, so I'm going to take the highway back to Damascus. He showed persistence. Now let me say, in this room, there's probably a lot of people that you show persistence. But oftentimes, our persistence is on our terms, not God's terms. I'm going to do it, but I'll really, it's really about me. It's really not about God and His way. You see, here's the thing you've got to realize. The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is your responsibility. And God's calling you to obedience. And He says, you obey me, and then you just let me worry about the outcomes in life. Just obey me. That's your role. Now, how many of this? How many of you, you're okay with obeying God until you're not getting what you want? You're okay with obeying God until you don't see the results that you want. And if the results aren't immediate, like I want, and like I want it spelled out and God needs to do for me, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, and then God, you need to check out on God. That's not, that's not what God wants for you. He says complete obedience and then trust me with the outcome in your life. Will you continue to do God's will even when it seems like God's will is not working in your life? That's huge. This, Shannon and I, let me just get your personal information on us right now. We've had a struggle lately as a couple and as a family. Here, here's the situation. For the last 24 years, we've married 24 years. 24 awesome, amazing years to the hottest lady on the face of this planet. Can't beat that. 24 years. We have had literally zero car problems. Now, we're not the typical average family when it comes to cars either. We drive lots of miles. I'm talking we've put literally millions of miles on. And I hang on to vehicles a long time. We had at one time two vehicles that had a com combined over 600,000 miles. One had over 300,000, one had just under 300,000. 600,000 miles on two vehicles. Yet in all those years of traveling, not one time ever, ever was we stranded on the road, even with a flat tire. Much less a broken down car. Now that doesn't mean we didn't have car problems. We had things fixed up. We had things that we did. But it just happened that we'd go get it fixed right before it broke down. We just never had any problems. But in the last few months... All hell's broken out in the Fouts family when it comes to vehicles. I mean, literally, Annabeth um, totaled out her car. 
And we've never even had, I mean, my kids only got one, so the home, she's a senior. So we went through all these years, and you know, I hear, I hear families tell stories about their new kid, their teenagers starting to drive and wrecks and stuff. I, we didn't have that. And all of a sudden, Annabeth told us out of vehicle. My other daughter, Phaedra, she wrecks a vehicle. We have two vehicles that have been the shop of our kids that are getting work done on them that we can't figure out what's going on, spending money there. And then on vacation, we go and we get up with my truck that has 300000 and people said, you don't need to drive it all the way to Montana, but I do it every year. But this time, the serpentine belt went out, and we're stranded on the side of the road waiting to try to get some help, and we have that happen. And then just this past two weeks ago, we are driving to uh, Louisiana, and on the way to Louisiana, just outside of Shreveport, my car totally goes out. The whole motor is gone. I mean, it has 120,000 miles on it. Like, this shouldn't be happening. And we pull over the side of the road, and there's a lot of people that would be saying, hey, just forget God then. He's already failed you. He's just like, no, you know what Shannon and I did? We just immediately began to thank God for 24 years of his miracle-working power. Uh, God, 24 years, you did awesome. Is there something wrong in Shannon's life right now, God, that she needs to confess me about? <laughs> just kidding. I immediately get on the phone because as soon as it happens, I like get on the phone because there's my travels over the years. I know people everywhere. Within a matter of minutes, somebody is five minutes away from me that I know. Five minutes away. And so they're there. And so as I'm talking to the phone, I'm giving them directions where I'm at. Shannon gets out of the car. And I look over and I see Shannon. And she's over at this 18-wheeler. And this 18-wheeler was tricked out. It was sweet. It was chrome everywhere. It was beautiful. It was nice. It's one of the prettiest rigs that I've ever seen. And there was this Latino guy that was, I mean, he was good looking. He had muscles. And he was like, he was like flexing his muscles. And here's my wife with her hand up on the rail, the foot up like this. And it looked like she was about to crawl up into the rig with him. <laughs> and I'm, my, my first thinking is like this. Okay, 24 years of no car problems and I provided for her. And now the car breaks down and she's going to run off with this guy I don't even know. And travel the world with him. No. You know what? When things begin to fall apart in life, you just keep persisting. You just keep going after God. You don't give up. You just keep believing. If it doesn't happen your way, you just keep believing. You just keep trusting God. You get cancer, you keep believing. You know, your wife is all of a sudden having struggles health-wise, you keep trusting God. Things aren't going your way, you keep trusting God. You just keep believing in God. Because you know what? Your responsibility is not the outcome. Your responsibility is the obedience. And just stay persistent and keep believing and keep trusting God. If all hell breaks loose, just say, God, I trust you. I believe you. I'm walking with you. Though you slay me, yet I'm going to serve you, God. I'm going to walk with you. I think sometimes we need the spirit of Nemo on us. Remember this? Right here, I got it right here. Nemo. When life gets you down, this is Dory saying to Nemo. You know what? You want to you wanna know what you got to do? You just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Come on. Somebody needs to just keep swimming. When life gets hard, when things begin to happen, just keep swimming, just keep walking, just keep trusting, just keep crawling, just do whatever you have to do. Just don't give up. Just don't wave the white flag. Just realize that, God, I know that you're in charge, and no matter what I see or what situations, God, you're in control. And I trust you. I trust you.